This is the Adoption Law Firm Podcast with your favorite lawyer, Sam McClure. Visit us online at www.theadoptionfirm.com. Welcome back to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. And today we are going to tackle the subject of birth parents. And we have a specific um, thought process here at the Adoption Law Firm. Wouldn't you agree? Sam, about um, how we care for and love on birth moms. And there's recently a blog post on our website about um, an open letter to a birth mother um, that I wrote to the birth mom of my daughter. We call her a belly mama. And so um, we treat them with respect and we we love on them. And so I want you to kind of talk about birth moms and birth mom rights and um, how we treat them with respect and why. Yes, I'm super passionate about this topic, loving birth parents well. I think part of that is because from my experience in the adoption community, I have seen so much pain and heartache uh, from being careless about uh, how we uh, care for birth parents, being careless to respect them, to love them, or being even intentional to treat them. Uh, just You're just a producer. You're just a means mm -hmm. in, in, to an end. I, I, I have a need. And and I want you to give it to me, and I don't care what it does to you. When I was, you know, first considering even opening in, uh, this law firm and getting into this work, uh, we had adopted through one of the top agencies uh, in the country, uh, as far as numerically. Um, that was during law school, and um, so you know, my brain's firing. I was like, man, what if I could help other families do this? And so, I sat down with one of the best agencies in the country. Uh, that I felt kindred spirit to, and you know, in the gospel and leaning into excellence and. And I said uh, to their domestic adoption staff, I said, if you could put your thumbprint on a law firm that serves people in your world, what, what are the most important things to you? And the most resounding answer was treat birth parents with love and respect. And it, mm -hmm. if they said it so many times and in so many ways, I thought, wow, there must be a problem with that. Right. Probably means that people aren't doing that. Yeah, there must be a problem with that. And, and I think it's important to recognize reality that... Um, Anytime that money and child welfare are interacting, there is opportunity for bad things to happen. You know, in, unless there is some greater force mm -hmm. restraining or putting to death greed in every person's heart, that's going to be our motivating factor, right? Right. And that's something that I struggle with every day. We all have to struggle with. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can slay that greed dragon. And um, treating birth parents with love and respect, I mean, number one, all humans, all people are made in the image of God and are that's worthy right. of respect. Um, no birth mom wakes up in the morning and is like, yeah, I think I want to be a mom. I want to place my child for adoption. And, you know, ever since I was a little child, I, I wanted to, you know, not have the father around and, and place a child for that. Just it's because it's because we live in a world of brokenness. Right. You know, I was just meeting with a birth mom a few days ago. Um, sweet woman, man, first time I'd ever seen her face to face, but I love, and I just like, she's a sweet woman. Mm -hmm. Um, but has recognized that she's in the midst of a broken world. Right. And this is, you know, so love them, love them. And I think that starting premise weaves its way through the entire adoption process. I think when it's possible and when it's healthy and all these, you know, a thousand other safeguards are put in place for the birth mother to have a relationship with the adoptive mom mm -hmm. is an outworking of that. Um, you know, I think when birth moms are struggling with grief after the adoption process, you know, and we try to put in place counselors and people to support the birth mom. But, you know, as they're struggling with grief, like, did I make the right decision? Because altruistically, every birth parent, is, birth mom is thinking, 
did I make the best parenting decision possible for my child? Right. It, I don't, it doesn't matter if they're a 22 year old nursing student who had a one night stand or somebody that struggled with a drug addiction for 20 years and they're living out of their car. It doesn't matter. Altruistically, they're all thinking that did I make the best parenting decision possible for my child? And for, for the birth mother to have this heart to heart mom relationship with the adoptive mom through the course of the pregnancy, I really feel like that helps them be at peace with that post-adoption of grief. Mm, you know, that when yeah. the thoughts flood their heads, I made a terrible choice and I've abandoned my child. Wait, now I know adoptive mom mm-hmm. and I know she loves me and loves that child. That communicates a tremendous amount of, of uh, kindness to the birth mom. Another area where, where I see this work out is in the area of finances. Like every adoptive parent, of course, like if you know the birth mother is struggling financially, living out of her car, doesn't have adequate food or medical care, you want to help, right? Right. Various state laws differ on what an adoptive parent can do to help, right? Sure. Um, and, you know, in Alabama, you have to have prior court approval, has to be uh, related to the mother's maternity uh, incapacity. Um, but how do we think through that? Do we, right? Right. If, if birth mom is just a producer, we don't really care what happens to her after this. You know, we might say, we're going to put you up in a super nice hotel and we're going to give you $100 gift cards at Walmart, like they're candy. And uh, what do you need here? Whatever you need, whatever you need just to make you happy so that oh, you don't change your mind during the process. Right. Right. And we don't care if you go get pregnant again. You know, the an agency might think, oh, uh, we hope you get pregnant again because then we have another product to sell. Yeah. I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm speaking kind of kind of harshly, but, but it's because I've, I've seen this. It and, does happen. Right. Yeah. It just gets me fired up. But. But in contrast to that, right, if we, if we deeply love birth moms, won't we be more concerned about helping them make wiser decisions? We do want to help financially, but we don't want it to do it in a way that hurts them. What is the book when helping hurts is we don't want... Where you're enabling. Yeah, enabling. You've probably dealt with this some in, in your career with crisis pregnancies. And mm-hmm. let me just throw it back to you here. How do you think through, you know, in your career working with women in crisis pregnancies, mm-hmm. you don't just you know, throw them gift cards, right? Like, no, no, I mean, yeah, there's, well, there's legal (laughs) parameters that we have to um, abide by, but um, yeah, my background with pregnancy centers. And I can say that, that, that um, the pregnancy center directors that I know, they have a certain protocol they have to follow. And if they were considering an adoption plan, we put them in touch with a local licensed social worker that could at least help them talk through what that would look like and that kind of thing. Um, And we loved on them and educated them and, um, and continue to help them. You guys have like clothes closets yes. and diapers, but, but diapers and like the model and, is like, mm-hmm. let's do these parenting classes and right. you earn points. Right. Right. So, so they earned what we called mommy money. Um, and if dad was involved, they could come and they could take dad classes and get daddy dollars. They could double their money. Um, but we wanted them to make the most informed and educated decision and let them know. Cause most of the time when they come in there and they have an unplanned pregnancy, it's not a situation where they're just like, I just want to, you know, get rid of this baby. It's a situation where they are struggling and they are scared. They are petrified when they walk in. And so it's not a situation where they're, they're not even thinking about anything as far as pro-life or whatever. And that whole argument that people get caught up in, they're thinking, how am I going to feed this child? How am I going to care for this child? I don't know the first thing about this. And so we come alongside and say, we can help you do that. We can educate you on how to take care of that child. We can help you with supplies. If you're worried about that, you can earn them for free. 
And, you know, with COVID happening, we were doing that online with streaming, you know, those classes online and then calling and following up and talking to them to Mm. still develop that relationship and keep in touch with them. And I think a lot of people have gone to that model in pregnancy center world, but um, so that they can, they can help and educate them. And then if they still want to go through with an adoption plan, then that was their choice and they made the most informed decision possible. And so then we connect them with a social worker and we try and take them through an adoption plan and try and figure out how to work that out. You just brought up a fascinating uh, point to me that I think is worth spending some time on is, is this tendency to jump to adoption too soon. And, and that mm-hmm. sounds like I'm the, you know, we're the adoption law firm, mm-hmm. right? But seriously, if we're going to truly visit orphans and widows in their affliction, right? So this single mom, very few resources, right? You know, I'm worried about if I'm going to feed my child, I have, you know, I don't know who the father is functionally. Okay. Functionally that's in the same level of opportunity to be abused, you know, by evil. So that's, let's just for the sake of argument without supporting that, that's a, that's the kind of orphan and widow that we're called to minister to, right? right? Like, okay. So do we just jump, you're, you're struggling financially. So you need to place your child for adoption. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Right. Like our first analysis, I think, is faithful stewards of the pattern that God has shown us through history about caring for orphans and widows and the sojourners is first, let me see how I can help you be successful right. where you are as parent. Because that's that's the best case scenario, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 so I love that. And mm-hmm. I feel like that, that needs we need to do a whole podcast on that on <laughs> From the adoption law firm, why you don't need to consider adoption as the first option <laughs> for helping, uh, you right. know, orphans and widows, right? It's, um, you know, this this topic comes up a lot more in in the international adoption discussion, and this is a small piece of why in the last, I don't know, ten years that adoption numbers have gone down from twenty four thousand a year to fourteen thousand a year. Sure. You know, international adoptions um, is, uh, I think, the adoption community has started to be a little bit more concerned about. You know, we don't want parents to place their children for adoption just because they're poor and they can get $3,000 from an American couple, whatever. That's an extreme example. But so, yeah. So if poverty is the only reason that somebody's placing their child for adoption, well, dang, we can, we can help with that. Community involved. Yeah. We can do, we can do education and training Mm -hmm. and mentoring on financial management. Mm -hmm. We can help them get into job core. We Mm -hmm. can help them find stable housing. Not a lot of people know that crisis pregnancy centers really aren't referring that many adoption cases because that's not the first thing that should be or is on the mind of the crisis pregnancy. It's, it's centered because the parents walk in, they're like trauma, 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 you know, like they're not going to be thinking deep philosophical thoughts about the moment of, you know, the soul enters the, you know, and, and so I love it. I love it. And I think that, um, I really appreciate the work of crisis pregnancy centers and that they don't jump so quickly mm-hmm. to adoption. Right. Right. I mean, I was there almost three years in a director capacity at pregnancy centers and then volunteered over the years for a lot, a long time longer. And, um, and I can, I can count on one hand, the, the amount of adoptions that actually came through in that time. So our biggest thing was first just to, to let them know that they had support, that they were not alone because when they come in there, they're most of them are in a situation where they feel very alone. Um, a lot of times, you know, once they found out they're pregnant, either they're, if they're young, then they're scared to tell their family or some of them are, are in college or even career and that kind of thing. And they either, dad's decided he didn't want to be a part after he found out because he didn't want the responsibility um, or they're living with a, another family member or not even a, a direct biological parent. Um, sometimes it's just another family member or whatever. And they don't know, they don't have room yep. where they're living to put another child. 
Um, and it, you know, it's just, it just depends on their situation. So they're, that's the furthest thing from their mind is thinking, you know, well, let's go through an adoption. I'm going to go here and I'm going to mm-hmm. find out about adoption plan. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if I can do this. Like I'm scared to death and I don't know. And I'm, I'm alone. And so our first thing is to make sure they know they're not alone mm. and to know that Jesus loves them and sees them and cares for them and is for them. And that was our philosophy was our first thing was let this mom know that God loves them. And if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus and let's tell them how they can do that. Absolutely. You know, God has a special called out people from the world, the church, the ecclesia, the world doesn't misdiagnose that there's problems, right? The world doesn't right. misdiagnose that there's brokenness. They, they get the diagnosis right, but they apply the wrong medicine, right? Right. That is fundamentally the medicine that all of our souls need. And I love Tim Keller on this topic when he says mm-hmm. that mercy ministry is a highway to relationship to apply the true need that every person has, but for extending ourselves a cup of cold water, mm-hmm. diapers, uh, counseling, yeah. you know, support. But for that, you wouldn't have a relationship <laughs> with people. And that that mercy ministry is not the end in of itself, right? We're not doing shoes just to do shoes. You know, right. we're not doing water just to do water. Those are good in and of themselves yeah. that and the right motivation are pleasing to Christ, but we're always... It's a catalyst. Right. We're hoping, we're hoping for that open door, that mm-hmm. receptive heart. I, I will say, I do think there is the stigma that crisis pregnancy centers could do better at, and I don't know if uh, if sometimes we're on such a tangent here, but we're going with it. Is <laughs> is uh, I think crisis pregnancy centers could do more to lean into the stigma that adoption is a bad thing, right? Like, right, right. You know, because oftentimes you may hear a parent say, even going into an abortion clinic, hey, hey, so why are you going into the abortion clinic? Uh, well, I just can't parent this child. I got too many. You know, I've got too many other children. Um, well, have you ever considered adoption? No, I would never do that to my child. Yeah. Right. right. No, I would, I would never abandon my child like that. And, um, probably the most people listen to the podcast that rattles around in your head, trying to find a category and it can't find a category. So I think, um, yeah. So what do you think crisis pregnancy centers could do to love birth mothers to lean into that misconception? Well, I think that, um, a big thing is to, to be educated. Like they need to be educated on what all that means because they've got to be able to intelligently talk to, um, a mom that comes in there that's pregnant and scared and don't know what to do and say, these are your options. And this is a viable option because this is what happens. Now, it was easy for me because basically what would happen was since I was an adoptive parent, then if they had somebody that was considering adoption or didn't even think about adoption and wanted to know more, then they just brought me in there and I would sit there and talk to the mom and and tell them, you know, about that. But that was a a big, um, a big thing that our employees uh, would say as feedback to me was we want to feel more comfortable and more confident talking to these girls about adoption because we don't feel like we are um, we're on a good enough level as far as education goes to talk to them. So we brought in some social workers. We brought in some um, some counselors from uh, birth mom counselors and had them come in and talk to us and teach us how to intelligently explain what an adoption plan looks like. And then that's why we also had a dual agreement thing, basically, that gave, they would sign and that gave permission to the social worker to contact that birth mom as our client. And so, um, and that's the way we would handle it. And then we would have the social worker come in if they were really serious about it. And and it had gone beyond our expertise of being able to talk to them about it. So I think education is a big, big part of that. 
Right. I mean, I think these principles are, are also, I think, obviously helpful for the adoption professional community. I'll put, you know, crisis pregnancy, you know, mm-hmm. caveated mm-hmm. in that, you know, you don't love a birth mother and with the way we're talking about and the why we're talking about for the purpose of that it's going to have a better outcome in the adoption. That's not why you do it. Right. But I will promise you, you will have healthier outcomes. Right. Right. Like that's, that's not shocking. You know, it's, uh, oh, you apply kingdom principles and uh, that's how God's wired up the universe. Right. Like you're, you know, you, you're wise with money and you know, blah, blah. So I think, um, yeah, we see such healthy outcomes when, when we get a family that an adoptive family that understands that it, that is adopting out of the fullness of what Christ has done for them, that overflowing love, they understand that there's nothing certain in an adoption scenario, but at the very least, you are going to have the opportunity to reach into the darkness, to love somebody in a very difficult situation, and maybe be able to share with them the true remedy of Christ. Mm. If if nothing else happens, you're going to get that opportunity, and right. that is is w- eternally worthwhile. Obviously, we want a successful you know child placed in your home. But when somebody's armed with that attitude and is pouring themselves out to love birth parents, I'm just telling you, I just love my job because I get to work with people like that and help the outcomes. You know, the, this, I mean, this, you can apply this, what I'm about to say to any business deal out there. I don't care big or small from your, your lawn guy to a hundred million dollar, you know, software deal is when there's trust and integrity and character and affection for the two parties involved, you know, you, you, you don't need 25 pages of boiler print to cover every, you know, right. It's like right. that when, when you trust each other, right? right. When you know the other person's sincere intention and heart is for your good. Yeah. 99.9999% of the problems just dissipate. Right. And so mm-hmm. I think fostering that kind of arming yourself with that attitude, love birth parents where they are, but um, and no, where where the they're living out of their car, they're homeless. They had a one night stand. Um, I think it's important to remember that um, I have a log in my eye. I have a log the size of a cedar tree in my own eye. And uh, today, it, it you know I'm not. We shouldn't be shocked when trials and adversity and sickness and I wrecked my car. That really shouldn't shock us. What should shock us is when that doesn't happen. Because every day I deserve for God put me to put me to death. Like like Uzzah who dropped dead when he put his hand on the ark to try to steady it, like Ananias and Sapphira, like the the people that opposed Moses and the and the fire of God consumed them like every day. I, I should walk around humbled. God, your mercy to me. Mm-hmm. You've given me another day. I have transgressed your law so severely, so grossly. You know, this was Uzzah's deal. And I was just reading this a few nights ago with my kids, but David was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And in, the, and in Moses' writings, he had said very specifically, here's how you carry the ark, this specific kind mm-hmm. of wood, the priests, the poles, that was disregarded. 30,000 of David's chosen men, David, this, they're singing, they're dancing, they're serving God, and you know, and they're, they're praising Jesus. Uh, and uh, I guess they didn't know him as Jesus then, but uh, they're praising Yahweh. And uh, they all, right, you know, from at the first step, they they were approaching a holy thing flippantly. They were serving God, but not doing it as God said. God deserved to put all of them to death. But so instead, they have oxen carrying a new cart. Hey, new cart, isn't that a good... We're not using an old cart, God, but it's not how God said to serve them. 
And then Uzzah is walking beside the cart and the oxen kind of stumble a little bit and the ark tips while it's on top of this this cart. And Uzzah uh, makes an error in judgment. He stretches out his hand to steady the ark. Which is probably a natural instinct for anybody. You know, something's fallen. Try and catch it, right? Yes. Yes, it is a natural instinct. He misdiagnoses for his hand to touch that Mm -hmm. ark is infinitely more filthy than if that ark had landed in the mud. Right. God is a holy God, and and God put Uzzah to death that moment he dropped dead um, because he approached those holy things. We deserve that every day. God didn't put the 30,000 to death when he could have. Right. So, but by the grace of God, there, there go I, mm-hmm. um, there go I. And to have that humility and that kind of love as Christ has loved you, um, I think that's the starting point for treating birth parents with love and respect. And I think that goes back to the church too. The Christian church needs to um, make sure that they are welcoming with open arms um, that, that single mom that's coming in there so that they feel comfortable to come in there and that they can love on them. You never know what kind of relationships could be built by doing that. And opportunities could happen because of that for that child and for that mom. So that's my rant. (laughs) Rant on. For this podcast. Yes. (laughs) Well, we appreciate you guys listening and we hope that you will subscribe on Apple and Spotify and that you will um, share this with your friends. And we um, hope to see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Adoption Law Firm Podcast. For more information on the topics discussed or to get in touch with us, go to www.theadoptionfirm.com.